Welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. Uh, I know, I, I think I begin every single podcast by saying I'm really excited about this today. <laughs> Guilty, because literally I get excited about so many topics in fitness. And this is kind of a fun one for me. I am hoping this is going to be very eye-opening for so many of you. So we have two camps within the fitness world. People who don't want to talk about genetics at all because they, they are afraid that when genetics is brought up, that what people are doing is they are diminishing the individual's hard work. And I totally understand that. Then we have this other camp of people who feels like, no, but we have to talk about genetics because if we don't talk about genetics, then my hard work is being diminished. Does that make sense? Because there are women out there who are like, are you kidding me? I work hard and not stupid hard because there are people who just go in and they're hard. If you haven't listened to the last podcast on training versus working out, there is a difference between working out and going in and just doing emotional work versus going in and working really hard doing optimized training. It is so true. I have worked with women who have come to me saying, I have been lifting for years. I've been doing this girl's workouts and she looks absolutely incredible. I've been doing her stuff for years. Why don't I look different? Because that's not training. That's emotion-based burning out, bouncy, bouncy, no rest period, constant, like just low quality exercises. So, and I don't care if you do that and if you find joy in that, that's wonderful if you find joy in that. But if you're frustrated because you're not getting results, oh, I understand that too, because I've been there. And so learning about optimized training, about training smarter per my goal and lining up my training for my goal, that was, that was mind-blowing for me because I started seeing my body change. And so it has been a joy as a coach to watch women go from, I really want to build muscle, but I've been lifting weights forever. Why aren't I building muscle? To then showing them, this is what training looks like. This is how we build muscle. And after, you know, eight months, they come back saying, this is incredible. My body actually changed. Like, I love being part of that because I know the frustration of feeling like I'm the hardest worker in the gym and not seeing results. That is, it's extremely frustrating. So anyways, going back to what I said before, we have these two camps. One doesn't want to bring up genetics at all because they feel like it diminishes their work. The other one wants to talk about genetics because they feel like if, if we don't acknowledge it, then my work is being diminished because they're both working hard. So I'm going to be, hopefully I can kind of join the two camps together and say, we do have to talk about genetics and it should not diminish anyone's hard work by talking about the realities, because people still have to go in and work hard. So let's just 
look at what makes somebody look the way they do. Okay. A lot of times as a coach, when I bring on new clients, a lot of times I will get pictures of amazing bodies. They'll send me pictures of women who just have incredible, beautiful bodies. They'll send them to me and say, so this is what I want to look like. I'm like, okay. Okay. Discussion number one. Um, no, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. You don't have their genetics. And I know that genetic term is very broad. So I am going to break that down. But here's the thing. Take all of those pictures, crumple them up, throw them away. We're not going to get you to look like them. But we are going to get you physically and mentally to be the best you. And then you choose to be happy with it. Isn't that interesting? You choose to be happy with the canvas that God gave you. It's a choice. And we're, and I'm excited to talk about that a little bit later on, but let's go back to this genetics. Okay. So people say that all the time. Well, you don't have their genetics. And, and it's like, we understand that, but we don't, we still think, okay, yes, I don't have their genetics, but if I quote unquote work hard enough, then somehow I will morph into their genetics. And we think that to bridge the gap between what we look like and looking like that person, all I have to do to bridge that gap is put muscle on and work, quote unquote, really hard. And that's not true either. So let's talk about why a person looks the way they do. We have a few things, okay? One, we have bone structure and also proportions. So for example, let's take two women are the same exact height. And a lot of times people just focus on, well, they're the same height. They're, they should be able to look about the same because they're the same height. And that, whoa, that is so minimizing genetics. So let's say they're the same height, but one has really long legs and a short torso. The other one has really long torso and very short legs. So height and muscle and fat is, is going to look very, very different on these two individuals, even though they're the same height. I don't like it when people use height as the reason why they can't do something or can do something because even I'll, say, I'll hear people say, well, I can't squat good because I'm really tall. Well, height has nothing to do with it. It's the proportions of your body. You may not have the correct proportions to squat in the way that you want to squat. But we can still modify your squat and get you squatting strong or to build whatever you want to. But it does come back down to your proportions as an individual. The, the ratio of like your bones, not necessarily the length of them, but the ratios of them to each other. Okay. So one, that's going to give people very different looks. Another thing is where and like where, how people put body fat on. So some people, two women, same exact height, they could even have the same 
relatively the same bone structure, but how they deposit fat will be very different. Body fat percentages can be the exact same, and yet one woman holds it on her boobs and butt, the other one doesn't hold it on her legs or her butt, but around her arms and her stomach. Okay, so one person, same body, these two people, same body fat percentage, but one person can look a lot more fit because they have that flat stomach because they're, they hold that body fat on their boobs, their butt, and so they look fit. The other one, same exact body fat percentage, but they're holding it in different places. So body fat and where we put it on also is going to determine on relatively similar structures how things appear. Well, now we're getting down to muscle. And muscle isn't just that person has muscle, that person doesn't have muscle. But actually how muscle looks on people can be completely different depending on the origin insertion of those muscles and muscle to tendon ratio can actually determine what the muscle looks like on somebody too. If the muscle bellies and tendons are different, they're going to have a substantially different look. One person who has, the, has larger mus muscle bellies is going to look like they have bigger muscles. So it there's so much even with muscles. It's not just like they have some, they don't. I've talked about this before in regards to glutes. So here we can look at a few things. If a woman's pelvis is shorter and wider, they tend to look like they have bigger glutes. You could have somebody who has the same exact muscle size as that person, but their pelvis is narrow and longer, and it will look like they have less glutes. So that person with a narrow and longer pelvis will have to put on two to three times as much muscle as the other person to look like they have the same amount of muscle. So I hope you're beginning to understand here as, as I talk about this, how no genetics do play a factor in this. Some people will have to work harder to get the same quote unquote looking results as somebody who didn't have to. So a, a woman who goes in and does some lower quality exercises on their glutes, but genetically they have this short pelvis, they go into the gym, they do low quality exercises and selection, but they also carry more body fat on their glutes too. They will look like they have developed far bigger glutes than somebody who doesn't carry as much body fat plus has a narrow longer pelvis. That person with the narrow longer will have to actually put on two to three more times muscle to even look like they've put on the same amount as that other person. This is hard because in the fitness industry, it's kind of like when you go to get your hair done. You walk into the hair salon 
And you're not going to pick the person who has really bad looking hair to do your hair. You're going to pick the person who has that incredible body to write your programming, right? But unfortunately, sometimes those people with incredible bodies actually don't know how they got what they got. And they think that because they have these great glutes and they go in and they do these subpar movements that everybody should do those movements. And so somebody like me who had a pancake butt, who copied everything that they did for years and didn't see any improvements on her glutes and is frustrated, well, you guys, I'm speaking from experience. I've been there. I've done this. And I've also spent extensive amounts of time studying the anatomy and being trained in program design, in biomechanics, and knowing what works and what doesn't, not just from my body, but from working with hundreds of women and changing hundreds of women's bodies. And a lot of it takes time, yes, but a lot of it takes better programming and understanding of bodies. Okay, so that tangent aside. Now with all of that information, just take that information, tuck it into your pocket, think about that one, okay? Not on that one for a while. Now I'm gonna move over to the to something else. Women will actually say, I don't want to work my legs because my legs already have so much muscle on them because they have thicker legs. Or they'll say, I go in and I do a few leg exercises and my legs blow up. I put muscle on, quote unquote, so fast. Okay, so you don't put new muscle tissue on in just two settings. I I was doing a podcast with, I don't know if you guys follow Brad Jensen, sober bodybuilder. He is a great uh, human being in the fitness industry. I really like him. But I was doing a podcast with him and he made a comment that I laughed so hard about because it's so true. He said, when he hears people talk about how they put on muscle, quote unquote, so fast, he said, it's almost insulting because I've been in this game for a while and I know how hard it is to actually put on new muscle tissue. And he's like, I will do a build for eight months and be grateful for a sliver of a change. And that is true. And we are going to talk about the difference between being novice and being advanced. But I also, in this process, I want to talk about there are three different types of mechanisms for hypertrophy. There's sarcoplasmic, myofibular, and myonuclear domain. But we're going to mainly focus on the two that make the difference as far as look. One is sarcoplasmic. The other one is myofibular. So sarcoplasmic is actually what most newbie lifters experience the most. I'm sure you've heard before that it's far easier for newbies to put on muscle than it is for experienced lifters. And in part, that has to do with majority of their hypertrophy that they are experiencing is sarcoplasmic. So what is sarcoplasmic? Sarcoplasmic isn't necessarily adding new muscle fibers. What it is, is it's just a swelling of the tissue you already have. 
So what I mean by that is the muscle cells like will quickly fill up with water, nutrients, and enzymes. So a lot of women will go from not doing any lifting on their legs. Then they go into the gym, they work their legs, and they experience the swell. And usually what it is, and that can be one of two things. It can be like the gym pump, which is like blood water nutrients pooling and they feel that that pooling and that that there will be a pump it will be a little bit larger and so they immediately freak out and think I've put on so much muscle when I go into the gym it's just bam and they're also these women tend to be hyper aware of their legs and they don't want any more size to their legs. And so they become very hyper aware of this swelling. And then they experience that sarcoplasmic hypertrophy where then they go home, they eat, and the muscle that they just worked is going to pull in those nutrients and that uh, glucose. And it's going to turn into glycogen, which is glucose binding with water. So they're getting this larger sarcoplasmic hypertrophy and in their mind they're like oh I put on muscle so fast well honestly if they were to go on a vacation over the next two weeks they're going to be like oh my muscles went down I quote-unquote lost muscle size I lost progress it's like no you didn't you lost some sarcoplasmic hypertrophy go into the gym start lifting and eating carbs again and it's going to come right back so this is what they're experiencing and they immediately jumped to the conclusion that, oh, I'm putting on so much muscle. Well, not really. And I, I did think that this was an interesting piece of research that I recently read where they actually said that women put on muscle three times faster on their upper body than they do their lower. And I have some, I I personally have some like, theories as to why that happens. But I did think that that was kind of an interesting little nugget there for you. So, but this is still a problem, whether it's sarcoplasmic or myofibular, myofibular is actual new contractile tissue, which that is hard. That you have to work really hard for. So they are getting sarcoplasmic. They're getting like water, nutrients, glycogen filling up, right? And they're freaking out. Now, whether it's 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 myofibular or sarcoplasmic, it doesn't matter to these women because all they're going by is feeling. And the feeling is that they're bigger. So then the answer is you do have to drop body fat too. So that's kind of the key. You want these really fit, nice-looking legs, then you do have to drop body fat. So it's not just about lifting. It's you got to get into a calorie deficit so then we can see the body fat come off and we can see that muscle tissue. Now, here's also a problem that I see with women in the fitness industry is a lot of these women actually think that they have more muscle tissue on their legs than they do, but they, they don't. So I cannot tell you, I literally cannot tell you how many women 
come to me saying, I don't want to do anything on my legs, nothing, because they're already too big. They already have so much muscle. And so I'm unbalanced and I only need to work with my upper body and not my lower body. And we get them into a calorie deficit. And a few months later, they're like, oh, I've atrophied on my glutes. It's like, no, you just didn't have glutes. I tried to tell you that. You wouldn't listen. You insisted that your feelings were facts. But you see, when glutes contract, if it's muscle, it moves. Yours weren't moving. We couldn't see anything. You actually didn't have the muscle you thought you had. So now you've dropped body fat and you're like, ugh, like where are my glutes? Where are my legs? Well, you didn't have what you thought you had. And this is extremely common. Now the issue tends to be that a lot of women, their legs are quote unquote, their trouble spots. Now trouble spots are merely, they're not the first, your, your body, well, let me say it this way. We cannot spot reduce. So we cannot spot reduce fat. So I know that there are these women who will say, if you want toned lean legs, do these exercises. Well, that's not what reduces body fat. And sometimes that's misunderstood. Oh, if I do all these leg movements, then my muscle size will change to being smaller, plus my body fat will change to being smaller. And that's not the case. If you need to lose body fat, we need to get into a calorie deficit. Unfortunately, your body has like this genetic map of where it takes body fat off of first and where it takes it off of last. Usually trouble spots are called trouble spots, not because we can't get body fat off of them, but usually it's the last place to go. So the amount of dedication needs to increase in order to see the body fat come off. And that's where usually people don't want to push into the calorie deficit long enough or hard enough or be consistent enough to actually see it come off of the last place it's going to come off of. And so they label it, there's my trouble spot, I'll never change it. And that's not true. You just have to be more persistent with it. So then we also do have women who have genetics where they actually do have a lot of muscle tissue on their legs. And they are accurate in that assumption. And with those people, they think, well, if I don't do anything on my legs, then it won't grow. And yes, that is true. If you don't work them at all, then they're not going to grow. You're right. And then if we get into a calorie deficit, you may be satisfied with where your legs look, or maybe you won't be. Maybe you'll still be upset that they're quote unquote too big, but that's your genetics. Okay. That's your genetics. Beyond a certain point, you're not going to be losing that muscle tissue there. So my suggestion isn't don't work them. My suggestion is work them minimally so we can at least keep a healthy body. But just, this is where women think, well, if I, if I work them at all, if I even pick up a dumbbell, then I, my muscles blow up on me. I, 
that's not how it works. It is so much harder than people think to actually put on new contractile tissue. So, so much harder. I want to drive that one home. Is it easier for some people than others? Yes, but it's still hard for the easier ones too. I think that that's really important to understand. So there comes a point where you have to accept your genetics. So if you look in the mirror and you are like 19% body fat, which is a healthy fit place for a woman, you're 19% body fat, you look in the mirror and you have pain over how thick your legs are because of muscle tissue. You have two choices. Dalai Lama said, pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Okay. You look in the mirror and you have this pain of, I want my legs to be smaller in muscle size than they are. And you're already not working your legs. Then guess what? You have two options. You can suffer and completely ignore your genetics and just focus on suffering because you don't have what you think you should have, or you don't have what you think is quote unquote, the most beautiful, which in and of itself, that thought is stupid. So you can choose suffering. I've met tons of women who choose to suffer because of their genetics. Or you could be like one of my clients. I'm not crying. I'm not getting emotional. You could choose to be like one of my, one of my clients who I was so proud of. She looked at herself in the mirror and she had two options. She could choose to suffer and to look at her legs and think they're disgusting and they're too big and they're too this and that. And, and she said, what would that get me? That would get me a life of suffering. So I decided if I'm going to have thicker legs, then they are going to be the strongest, sexiest, fittest, thick legs that anybody has ever seen. And I'm going to choose to love them. I read her check-in and I burst into tears, guys. It was the most beautiful thing in the world to watch this woman blossom, to look at the canvas that God gave her. And she chose to love it, but not only love it, thrive in it. She wasn't going to let something determine how she felt about the value and beauty that she had. It was beautiful to watch her blossom. And then do you know what's incredible? She's continued to work her butt off and she is so unbelievably happy. She chose to love her canvas and to thrive in it. And she is just blossoming in strength. I want you to really think about that. What in your life, not just about fitness, but what in your life are you choosing to just suffer? You can't change it. So you're just choosing to suffer in it. 
Okay, because this isn't just fitness at this point. This isn't just body image. This There are so many things. I can think of one in particular in my life of a situation I want to change so bad, but I can't. And I have to learn to detach from the outcome. Detach and choose to be happy no matter what. Because I don't want to live a life of suffering and a life of being a victim to something else telling me how I should feel and value myself. At this point, it's not just science. It's not just fitness. It's not just facts. It's, you guys, you get to choose. Are you going to choose to thrive with the canvas you've been given? Or are you going to choose to suffer and constantly be chasing some genetic form that you don't have? You're chasing suffering. So I want to invite you to choose to love the body that you're given. And that doesn't mean that you can't have goals. And that doesn't mean that you can't work towards them. But I want you to choose to love your canvas. And choose to paint the most beautiful picture that you can on your canvas. And do you know what's great about this? is at the same time you can look around at other people's canvas and what they've done with it and been like, and you can be like, that is beautiful. Good job. Good for you. Cheer them on. Don't say, well, you were given a better canvas than I was. So no, we don't have to be that person. We can look around and say, oh, I love what you've done with your canvas. And look, I'm over here working on little mine and I'm going to make it beautiful. And I'm going to step back and I'm going to love this process, love this creation of mine, and I'm going to choose to thrive and I'm going to choose happiness. Thank you for joining me on the Lifting Lindsay podcast today. I hope that this message has resonated with you. I hope that you can choose to love your canvas and make the most of it and cheer on the people around you to do the same exact thing. I hope that this has helped you uh, push aside desires for comparison, but instead to understand that we've all been given different things, we've all been given different bodies, different gifts, and our job really is to take what we've been given and make the most of it. If you guys have any questions, you can DM me on Instagram at LiftingLindsay. Or you can check out my website, liftinglindsay.com, where I offer training programs and one-on-one coaching as well. Have a wonderful week.